ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the most famous words in motorsports with your host, Lugs and the Gas Man. Ladies and gentlemen, start your podcast. Hey folks, welcome back to another fantastic week of Wrecking and Racing. I am your host, the Gas Man, with my co-host, Lugs. Lugs. How's it going? Lugs needs a hugs. Right? Do I? No, I, I do. It's been a bad day. Work, <laughs> okay. work sucks. I actually had to work today. I think someone kept texting me today saying, oh, somebody had to work. Cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry you had to work for once in your yeah, shut career. <laughs> Maybe my boss listened to the last show. I don't know. Maybe. Finally got <laughs> you to do something, huh? Eh, I don't know if I would call it that. It just at least looked busy for a while. Uh, no, what, what an exciting week! I, th- I mean, uh, we had a lot going on. You know, with the with the NASCAR circuit, we had some kind of dull racing, some exciting racing, some mixed emotions. New rules um, package. New rules package. Rules being enforced that we never heard of before. Yeah. Um, yep. Man, there's been a, all no no wrecks. I mean, it was just kind of like big gauntlet of things kind of toss her away so. right uh so first things first as always thank you listeners for listening telling everybody hit that subscribe button make sure to follow us on whatever podcast program you listen to us uh rate us you know that ratings is how other people find us so help just help us out please please we need everybody's help this do it is, this is us asking for charity do it <laughs> uh and we can't get started without our trusty bud light Whoa! Oh, Whoa. Screw up there! <laughs> oh, hold on! Wow, excuse me. Uh, bush, bush light. The sad thing is, it really is a bush light. Yeah. Why, did, why did you say? I don't that? have any idea why. It's bush light. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even drink Bud Light hardly ever anymore. I used to. It'd be but different more. if you were substituting this week for a Bud Light, but nope, it's really not the case. Nope, man. that's not the case. <laughs> Way the season's going, we're going to switch to Miller Light. They're going to own the season. It looks like. Penske power. Yeah, maybe. Let you take a chug there before I start talking to mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my turn. Hold on. Hold on. Mm. So anyway, uh, coming into this episode. Um, a lot oh, of unknowns. Me. Oh, well, I was going to introduce our guest kind of like real quick. Okay. Not really introduce him. Just say, hey, we're going to have uh, Twitter extraordinaire Nick Bromberg is going to join us here in a little bit. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Very, um, I don't know if I use the word polarizing character on, on Twitter. Uh, Debt has a lot of Twitter followers. Um, a lot of people, I mean, he's got good info, but some people think he's negative sometimes. I don't know. People get offended. I followed him for a long time. I've always went to him for, like, new headlines or, yeah. you know, ratings or, you know, just yeah. odds and ends things that seems like you can't get elsewhere. Yeah, there's definitely. Uh, I think NASCAR has some of the best writers mm-hmm. overall. I think very uh, detailed, absolutely uh, knowledgeable, fan oriented. I mean, we all obviously know Bob Hawkross and mm-hmm. Jeff Gluck, uh, right. but we've discussed Nick a couple times on the show about various facets. So anyway, he's it's exciting. He's going to join us a little bit. Perfect week to talk about that new rules package, and uh, let's talk about that rules package. Let me uh, give me your scoop on your package. Thoughts? Well, <laughs> you want to know about my package? Yeah. Well, uh, first let's start with qualifying, man. Oh yeah, craziest qualifying I've ever seen. Yeah. Were you a fan of it? 
is the question. So, okay. There was I, a lot of strategy. So for fans that didn't see it, you need to go on YouTube or whatever right now and go watch at least the last five-minute yeah, stage. Man, I don't. Because there was a lot of strategy. So it was a waiting game. Nobody wanted to be first no. because they wanted to draft. Right. Obviously, they were putting up better numbers if they were drafting. So everybody was basically sitting on pit road with a minute and a half to go. And it was your second lap that was quickest, not your first. Yeah. And that bit a couple people. Yeah, uh, Chase, Alex. And Bowman, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's their own fault there. They, you know, they waited too long to go out. But essentially, I don't know. I, it's something different, but you're kind of taking the traditional qualifying aspect out of it, right? It's maybe not the fastest car out there. It's the fastest car for that lap in those conditions yeah. and that drafting situation. Yeah. But it's not necessarily maybe the fastest car out there like we've been using. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you because... It was entertaining. It, it, it was... So here's... Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm torn on this. Between qualifying and the race both, I'm really torn on this because here's the deal. I really hated it at some points and I really liked it at other points. Which Which one? Both. Okay. Both. So, qualifying was, it was, you know, everybody's like, oh, one, like Ryan Newman, for example, one car at a time, one car at a time, which is great. I mean, that's the, that's the historically how they did it. The purest in us, that's the way we like it, but was it exciting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. People were complaining that the fastest car didn't necessarily win qualifying, per se. Okay, so... I mean, it's a strategy-based environment. It's putting a show on for the fans. It's not WWE. It's not like that blowing out of proportion. But it was putting on a show for the fans. I'll tell you right now, if I went to watch qualifying, because we have a whole weekend at a race, you know, example lugs, I'd rather see that than sit there and see one car at a time. Yeah, absolutely. I do agree. It's like a mini race. I do agree. I do agree with that, yeah. So I think sitting in the stands – I mean, I know I understand why people are saying they want one car at a time because my person should have got the pole and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was 20 years ago. This is 2019. And that's the same thing we talk about every week. People bitching about change are always having something to bitch about, right? Yeah, they, they always do. I mean, I, I'm okay with it personally. I mean, I see both sides of it. Sure. I see both sides of it. It was entertaining. Well, but bottom line, if I'm sitting in the stands, I want to be entertained. Yeah. And that's a lot more entertaining than one car at a time. Exactly. It is. That was honestly a little more entertaining than some parts of the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I mean, stage one was a disaster. So let's get to the race. Okay, so the race itself, bunch of buildup coming into this race. You know, we have Daytona. Oh, oh, just wait until Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, oh, just wait wait to California. And then... What uh, did it give us? What it was built up to be? I'm not for sure. So the restarts restarts gave us what we wanted to see, but I mean, it was kind of the same thing that we see, we've seen traditionally or historically is after a few laps, the lead cars get out there, right? Now, yeah. They did say, you know, we couldn't get out there as far as we used to, uh, and we saw that, right? Logano and Kozlowski at the end kind of proved that they were trading the lead back and forth and. You know, Kyle came back up there and so on and so forth. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been, you know, but uh, I don't think it's quite what everybody expected. Now, I'm not going to bash it because, you know, they're going to continue to tweak it, right? We don't – it's 
specifically know everything, all the ins and outs of, of the product, right? So I think time will tell, and I think that it could be tweaked and improved, but I'm not going to be one of these people that are going to come out swinging and hating on it immediately. Yeah, and here's the thing I'm going to hate to hear is that, you know, it was, oh, wait to Atlanta, oh, wait to California, now it's, oh, wait to Phoenix. Is it going to be like that well, we every week? we were at Vegas, week? not California. Uh, yeah, I, I said California a moment ago, too. Dang, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Vegas. California's coming, but... Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my bad, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, anyway, my point is is that they keep pushing it back, saying, oh, wait till the next race. Right. I, I don't want to keep saying that. That's that's not a good trend to be on. But I kind of want to give it one more race to really try to get a feel of it. Because right now, I'm like, eh, I didn't necessarily love it, but I didn't hate it either. Right. I mean, what is there to really hate about it? I mean... Yeah, I mean, just at uh, some points there was a lull. You know, you're expecting a little wrecks, a little bit more beating and banging. We didn't really yeah. have the beating and banging. And we mentioned a second ago, right, There's there's not been any yellows No. Uh, for the last two races. Since they've in- implemented this rule package. Exactly. So Atlanta and Las Vegas, no races, no crashes, no spins. Um, you know, and Kyle said it last year, like, it's taken the skill out of it, right? So cars are obviously maybe a little easier to control is that why we're not they're seeing not the yellows loose. they have a lot more downforce with the big spoiler right so is this going to continue is this a trend going to continue we're going to see fewer cautions this year fewer wrecks yeah i, I think because so. i think what we were actually anticipating was the competition was going to be closer people were going to take ballsier moves and end yeah. up crashing more and we're definitely not seeing that yeah i don't i don't think we're going to see much like so what I don't see is what I thought we would see at the All-Star Race last year, right? That's what I think every, all the fans envisioned was sure. yeah, yeah, what yeah. we saw at the All-Star Race last May. So where's that and what's the changes? So I think the changes is prep time. And I think you we had talked to Nick about that too as well. Yeah. Get his so I mean, last year they didn't really have a whole lot of prep time before you know, this package was thrown at them. Now they've had a, essentially a whole year knowing this was mm, coming. Right. You know, a little bit less than a year, eight months or whatever it is. But still, you know, you give an engineer a week, you give him months, you know, uh, he's going to find bounds. some. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with, with that. Um, but overall, I, I don't really think, I don't know, let's give it one more race. We'll talk about it again next week. And but, I don't really think Phoenix is going to be a good indicator of it, or ISM. I ISM, think, yeah. I think, uh, I think. California will be a bigger a better showcase, picture. yeah, uh, to see what what's going to come. Why of is it. that? I think California's got a lot more grip. Well, it's just wider and it's faster. I mean, okay. you know, so I think I think ISM you're automatically. I mean, it's a smaller track. It's a what, flatter it's, it's track, three quarter mile yeah. track, right? So yeah. I think uh, naturally you're going to have the cars closer together. Anyways, there's not going to be as much draft. I think there'll be a little bit, but I don't think it. Obviously, not going to be like what it was at Vegas this week or in California. So, I think it's kind of apples to oranges trying sure. to compare what we've seen in the last two races to what we'll see at ISM. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Wrong? Yeah. Nah. You usually are. <laughs> that's You know that's not true. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <clears throat> Picks. Race winners two weeks in a row. Thank you very much. <laughs> Still not leading the points. <laughs> Probably in not even. In fact, I don't think you're even in the top four. Yeah. Thanks, jackass. <laughs> we'll go through that shortly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's uh, probably – well, a few more minutes, then we'll bring Nick on. Um, so one of the things that 
people were talking about too was the attendance. With the ratings, I mean, have have, have been up on the yeah. TV ratings for the races. Your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a true rating? Do you think you know people's intrigued with the new package and it's going to fall off? I think people are intrigued, um, but I mean, ratings were up four percent. That's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, that's a pretty sizable jump, right? I mean, I wouldn't. I think so. I mean, four percent to me is. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but we talk about hundreds of thousands people. of people yeah. or millions mm-hmm. of people. That's a decent amount. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think. I think there's more to it than people just flipping it on and seeing what the package is about. Cause so what you're saying, we're checking out NASCAR's package. True, yes. I yeah, am. they're shaking it at us. I don't, I don't think there's 4% of people out there that even cognizant there was a rules change, right? I, yeah, true. So, True. Of the people that weren't watching, I should say. Of people that watch it week to week, yeah, obviously they know. Uh, but I'm saying there's going to be a, there's a there's a group out there that maybe they're the casual fan or maybe they haven't watched it consistently right. and weren't even aware that there was I, I don't know so tell you what how about we bring Nick Bromberg on and we can discuss this yeah that sounds good hey fans welcome back as we discuss Nick Bromberg uh, Twitter extraordinaire I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that terminology uh, is joining us uh, hey Nick. You have set the bar very extremely high for me here. I got I got to jump over it now. <laughs> well, I, I say that because I see you, uh, when you have haters on Twitter, you're doing something right. And uh, I, I guess you could say that, or maybe there's just a lot of people that uh, that say it for the time to be alive series. <laughs> Yeah, you know why we were just just discussing this right before you came on with us. Uh, there's a lot of people who like to bitch and complain. There are, and we've also reached the point um, in the NASCAR world where it feels like the people like to gripe about the griping, and so I feel like we've gone this kind of meta full circle thing here where the next thing what people need to start doing is, is complaining about the complaining about the complaining just so we can kind of bring this bring this to an end. But, you know, it's, it's, I think that was, dare I say it, this is, it's, it's a little bit because of social media, but also it's, it's – uh, it's the box that NASCAR has put itself in to a certain extent with, with the fact that, you know, there's this chase for good racing. And I think that if you ask 10 people what, what good racing is, there would be 10 different answers. And so you're never going to, when you're searching for something subjective, as I think NASCAR tends to do a lot of times when it changes rules, especially for 2019, and going this, in this direction, you're always going to have some dissent simply because you you can't objectively define the goal then you're always going to create this kind of chaos of opinions where you know you may have five different people that disagree with it for five completely different reasons yeah <laughs> and everybody has to give you their reason yeah exactly they do <laughs> you know and, and it, you know it's this is the you know everybody has a voice now because of social media which is which is fantastic don't get me wrong but it also you know um we can also see the bad sides of that, too. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this, and this might be too blunt, and I apologize if it is. How often do you sit back and you're like, think to yourself, wow, what a dumbass? Um, not as, uh, you know, not as often as you think, quite honestly. You, you come to a point where you kind of get nerdy with it a little bit. And, um, 
So for, for me, quite frankly, I, I have found, and I've told other people this too, like everybody, you know, people see me in NASCAR races, and I always laugh about the stuff that I, that I, you know, tweet with my tongue in my cheek, and I'm like, you know, quite frankly, sometimes it's the, it's the opinions that I have that I legitimately think I, I have because I've thought this through, and I don't think it's very controversial at all, and then some people will get very riled up about it. And, and uh, to a certain extent, I, I think the, you know, the Kyle Busch chasing 200 uh, wins thing, that's become a thing now, and um, I mean, Fox don't labor it, and, you know, I've been joking about it for three, four years, and, and wrote a, a serious piece last fall about, you know, just how you can compare Kyle and, and Richard Petty's uh, 200 wins to each other, and, and so it's always funny to, to see people get so upset about, you know, me <laughs> tweeting after Kyle Bush wins another race, when in reality, it's like, hey, look, you know, I, I, I took the time last year to, to try to approach this for the from the from the ten thousand foot perspective and say, you know, here's what Kyle's done, here's what Richard's done, here's the drawbacks to each. Take take the win totals as they come and make your analysis then and, and quite frankly, we have to realize too, Kyle Bush is 33, 34 years old. We may not be having this discussion in ten years if Kyle Bush is up with another is up two seventy five, two eighty or whatever here it is by the time he retires. I, I think that we get to a certain point where the, number, the sheer volume of Bush's wins would potentially vault him over Petty in a head-to-head comparison, even though they would all they would be from three series versus Petty's one. Right. It, it, I mean, it's so hard to compare the two eras, too. You know, I think, Lugs, you and I had this debate you know, when we talked about Petty, Pearson, Senior, Gordon, Kyle Bush. It just it's so hard to compare era from era. So, I mean, yeah. about the only thing we can compare on really is wins. And... Do we discredit Kyle for having 200 whenever most of that came from lower series? I, I don't know that we do. He's a hell of a wheel man, but also don't know if we should give him full credit to, that we would give Petty either. It's kind of such a catch-22 almost. It, it, it is, you know, because you have to I, – I do fully believe that you have to sit there and say, you know, a truck win and an extended win is not a cup win, but I also – think you fully have to say that a cup win pre-modern era when guys were winning by laps on end and there weren't um, situations like the free pass or your debate round or just a sheer number of cars and lead lap stages with pre-planned caution you excuse me you can go on and on sure. uh, about how the competition has been it is closer now than it was back then and you know petty had the best stuff and, that, and that's not penalizing Petty for having the best stuff either because I think you can say, well, Richard Petty literally ran circles around the competition. But then you also have to understand that Kyle Busch is in top-tier equipment, not only in the Cup Series. I mean, Joker Tracing, we all know, is, is up there. But right. they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the Xfinity Series. And then Kyle Busch Motorsports is, is the best stuff in the Truck Series. Right. And a little bit of a tangent to that, I thought – you know, I don't know if you guys caught it after Atlanta, but, but Kyle's comments um, about Todd Gillen. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, he's basically saying, you know, hey, if you can't cut it in the Kyle Busch Motorsports truck in NASCAR, you may not cut it anywhere else. And I think that's, and that's true. You know, I went back and looked at Racing Reference and looked at all the guys Kyle Busch has employed, especially over the last few years. And, and, you know, the guys that have won in Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, guys like Eric Jones, um, William Byron, Bubba Wallace, you know, 
So they've got Cup Series rides right now, but then you look at a lot of the guys who have not won in Kyle Busch Motorsports rides, they're not doing anything, or they don't have a top-tier ride in NASCAR. Wow, I mean, you really went in depth on that. And, you know, that's what, that's what happens when it's your job. You can just kind of get <laughs> racing reference, and then you have no idea where the pages lead you sometimes. I'll sit back and go, how did I get here? And I look because I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, okay, so I'm a very blunt person usually. Uh, I respect I'm, – I'm not a big Kyle Busch fan. I think he's a prick myself, but I, I do respect what he does, and I really respect what he said about Todd. He called Todd out. Maybe not so much the public forum aspect, but he still is holding Todd accountable, and I really do like that. You know, and I, it, you know, the, last year his comment about his drivers being allergic to victory lane – I, I think was was an interesting was was fascinating to me, and it was the truth. You know, you looked at a lot of times where KPM guys in, in in were in position to win races, and they simply didn't last year. So you know, you have to look at this year. It's going to be it's a very interesting year for for the KPM guys with Burton and going um, see where they come out at the end of the year. But yeah, you know, if you've got if you've got a, if you're in a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck, you have got yourself. I don't know if they're selling a golden ticket, but you're in a very, very good position. And I realize that you know, a lot of guys, they're, they're very young. They're still pretty raw, especially when it comes to NASCAR because they're moving over to different dis- disciplines. But, you know, it, it's a matter of, you know, showing that raw speed and, and getting those top five finishes and closing out the wins when, you, when you're in a position to go. Yeah, Absolutely. that's what it comes down to is the closing out factor. Right. You know, and, and I think Harrison has a huge future ahead of him. Uh, but, again – you have to close it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't just run good seventy five percent of the race and you know shit the bed after that. So yeah, right. You know he was he was stuck in the outside lane in that last restart of Atlanta. You know Daytona. We all saw how much traction that Daytona truck race was. So you know it, it, it's too early to start sitting here and, and making decisions after after three weeks in the truck series and you know heck even now with the Cup series given that it's been three races and, and three different rule sets. So. Right. Uh, so, Nick, aside from being a Twitter extraordinaire, you also write for Yahoo, correct? That is correct. College football is NASCAR. Cool. Uh, how yeah. many how many races do you typically get to go to per year? About an eight or so a year. It's a little tougher in the fall, given that you've got uh, I've got college football oh. on Saturdays, and it's kind of it, it's tough to cover in the hotel room. And I, I you know working at a bar is not exactly always the most fun thing. So, you know, I'll be heading out to Martin's at Daytona for the 500, heading out to Martinsville here in March, then I've got my Kansas, my home base race in May. So, you know, and then I'll we'll figure out where to be going in the summertime. Just, you know, it's enough to go to the go to the track. You know, I respect the hell of the people that are there 33 weeks a year. That's a that's a tough gig. But I also, I you know, I'm splitting my time between between college football and NASCAR. So we've got to take advantage of the of the college football offseason. You know, spring football is about to get ramped up here. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of recruiting stuff going on. Uh, so when you, I, I'm just going to throw us out there. Uh, Lugs and I, we're going to the Coke 600 in uh, in in the May. Uh, so if you're out there, if you come out there, let us know. We'll meet up and have a beer. You know what? I may be actually coming to your state that weekend, and you'll be going to Charlotte. I there's a <laughs> decent chance I will be in Indianapolis. Oh. So you know, I like I, I like watching all three races at my house. It's one of my favorite things to do. Best racing day of the year. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity, to make, if if the opportunity to go to the Indy 500 pans out, I, I'm, I'm making sure I can do it. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's so historic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. I'll be honest with you, I lived in Indiana my whole life. Uh, well, I lived in Chicago and Texas for a while, but besides that, my whole life, I've never been to the 500, ever. 
gotta, gotta, gotta put that on the bucket list, man. I guess. I just never found IndyCar. I, I've had enough IndyCar bashing on this show. I get, I get shit all the time about it, but <laughs> I've never been a fan of the Indy series. Or open wheel. I, 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 you know I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it this weekend. You know, I, I had the, I had the epiphany this week when I realized that IndyCar starts this week and Formula One starts next week. It's uh, you know, racing season is it, it's fully fully starting now, and I I can't wait. So I will I will be DVRing um, the IndyCar race early Sunday before the Phoenix race for sure. Well, enjoy. <laughs> so let's dial it I back. Will. I won't tell anybody else they have to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm going to just ask you, like, I don't – not so much me, but maybe my fans don't really know you a whole lot. So did you grow up a NASCAR fan, or did you – is it something just developed from a job? How did that, like, play in the in the in the factors, I guess? So um, short story, yes, I did. No one else in my family was a race fan. My first racing memory – well, I think I'm – I was a Davey Allison fan, like, as a little, little kid. I remember I had model cars, 28 Haviland car, playing my time with Duke 28 Haviland car. Um, and then, remember, my first Indy family with Alan Jr. beating Scott Goodyear. Obviously, my most vivid childhood young memory was Dale Jarrett, Dale Earnhardt, um, in the 93-500 there, because I was seven years old at that time. So I always grew up race car, uh, a NASCAR fan had my favorite drivers, and then you know it ended up being I went to school at the zoo, um, college, which is hometown, Columbia, Missouri. Um, you know, when you Missouri, you write for the, the paper, which basically covers the town when you're in journalism school. And you know, there was a no one was paying attention to Colorado or covering NASCAR had an interest that made in my grade anyway. And I was like, well, this is a chance for me to to, to separate myself. And at that point, I was also you know, working for the Kansas City Star, answering phones and writing part-time as well. And they knew I liked NASCAR. I was covering the NASCAR races there. And then, you know, it's fine from there. I, I learned my, my advice to anyone and everyone, um, my career advice is find lots of things that you're good at and do them well. I can speak from, from personal experience of, of doing multiple jobs, you know, working three or four jobs at a time, you know, and keeping the, the writing thing going. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate now that it's, it's something I can focus on on, on all the time with, with football and NASCAR. But, yeah, you know, I've always been a NASCAR fan. And so, you know, I have a ton of the diecast cars on my shelves at my house from back when I was a kid. And so, you know, I, I always I always laugh when, when people tell me that, you know, I dislike racing or, you know, I, I want to, you know, I hate it. I, I should go cover something else. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a giant race fan at heart. I mean, there's, I, I watch racing all the time, in addition to every other sport, feels like imaginable. But you know, I, I have always been a lifelong giant race fan, and, and so that's that's not going away. I can I can disagree with things and still be considered a race fan. Yeah, yeah, it, that's and actually, I'm glad you bring that up because some people really get on to you, like on Twitter, for example. And it, you know, my experience is seeing what people write on Twitter. Like somebody said the other day that. Nick has a vagina or something, and it's like, yeah, that was, <laughs> I don't that get was, it. That, that, was, that, was, that was in response to me, to me pointing out, and I'll be, you know, I, I was looked up working on working on the um, looked up while I was working on a Friday. Notice that you know the Confederate flag was featured in a, on a not a Confederate flag, but a, a flag 
where the skull and crust was on it, and, went, and a truck surgery. It's a very brief, it's a very brief you can see in the video, but it just was, it was jarring to me, and I, I meant this from a purely uh, objective point of view of, you know, I covered this, I went, went through it just three or four years ago, when, when Brian France was very so adamant about, you know, how NASCAR needed to disassociate itself with the Confederate flag. And then to see it pop up in, in NASCAR and Fox Sports, you know, promo imagery for a truck race, right. even briefly, was just, it was kind of one of those situations where it was very jarring to me. And that was, it was no political statement, it was nothing along those lines. And then something like that, which, you know, I don't intend to be controversial, it's just something I noticed, and I went, wow, that's interesting. And then, you know, people tend to tend to get upset with things like that. Yeah. But, you know, you, 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 live, you live and you move on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think people were like, oh, why are you so offended and you're a damn snowflake or blah, 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 whatever else. All you I mean, got to do is give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Oh, my gosh. You ain't kidding. The, 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 good, the good rule of internet, um, of internet callbacks is that if you're calling somebody a snowflake, you've probably already lost. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> true. Very, very true. So I think it was last week that Dale Jr. and a whole bunch of them were talking about how many people you blocked, how many people you muted. Did you get in on that whole thing? I, I did not. I actually don't really mute or block. I have a bunch of, of bot accounts back a few years ago when Twitter was on a spree of just it felt like these crazy bot accounts were coming out of nowhere. I blocked a bunch. Um, but you know what? I, there's a few people that I've muted that just, you know, feel like they need to reply to everything that I tweet. But for the most part, you know, now I, I, I enjoy seeing everything and, and, and going from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've had the luxury that nobody listens to us, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about that. We're, we're not controversial, I guess, at all. So that's a good hey, thing. Hey, you know what? That's, the, the, that, that's good in some respects, but at the same time, don't ever, don't ever get, your, get hung up on that. Yeah, right. I want a heckler. That'll make me feel like I've actually done something in my life. I want a heckler. So if you're listening, go on Twitter and heckle us. Just for they're, me. They're overrated. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm absolutely sure they are. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, your history of, you know, being a Davy Allison fan growing up and stuff. Uh, is, is the 93 Daytona, is that the one that really sticks out to you? Or what's that one race, even as an adult, that really sticks out to you as being like the most wow, like that took you back? Best memory. Um, you know, quite honestly, the most the most the race that I'm never gonna forget, just the weekend in general, the weekend in general that I'm never gonna forget, is the first Daytona 500 I covered, which was 2012, and that was the first 500 I was in Daytona for, <laughs> and um, that was obviously the Montoya jet drive. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna forget just the. You know, the weekend itself, the, the fact that, you know, I looked up and uh, next to my buddy and, and fellow NASCAR, Jeffrey Miller, and I think he says to me, he goes, he had, he had binoculars, he goes, the track's on fire. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I looked up and, you know, because we were in the press block, the old Daytona press blocks at that time, and, and the track was on fire. And, and so <laughs> it's one of those things where, where I have to go relive that every year in Daytona just because it feels... It, 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 the further away it gets, the less real it feels. Yeah. It's, it's such a crazy event. I don't think any of us who actually seen that will ever forget that moment. No. I mean, what's the odds of whatever it was breaking the car sending him straight into a damn jet dryer? <laughs> uh, so, right. You know, right. It's, 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 
you know, it's absolutely, absolutely one of those freak things that I, I, I like to say, you know, that's so NASCAR. I think that's the perfect example of, of that being that's so NASCAR because sometimes it just feels like the, the freak unintended, unintended consequence thing always for some reason has an, a way of working out even though the chances of it working out in reality probably seem very, very slim. It just always feels like, you know, that's so NASCAR moment just off the top of my head. It would be a perfect example to be that all-star race where they had the mandatory pit stop in the first stage. I, believe was, I can't remember if that was the option tire year or not. That was not the option tire year. That was the year where um, Brad Kozlowski helped input, had a bunch of input on the rules. And, you know, Matt Kenseth goes stays out long as he can to prolong that pit stop. The caution comes out. Kenseth's the leader and has everybody a lap down, but his car was illegal because they were at the end of the stage and he hadn't made his pit stop. You know, things like that. <laughs> Always something happens. <laughs> right. So, so talking about All-Star Race, Nick, um, I think we were talking about this before you came on, but I think a lot of fans expected maybe a little bit more closer racing out of this new package. What's What's been your take on the new package so far? Yeah, in a vacuum, um, I wrote this for Yahoo Sports, and I, I, I fully believe it more now in, in hindsight. Is I, I think in a vacuum, if you told a, a random NASCAR fan who had been asleep or just not paying attention to this offseason, even dating back to October, um, and they watched that race on Sunday. They thought it was a good race. You know, it was a good finish. I, I, it was whatever. Um, they had to watch it on mute, obviously, because they would have they would have been spoiled. The new rules would have been spoiled for them. But it just, some, just basically, if you watch that race on Sunday without any any idea that this was going to be this new vault, this new vaunted rules package, and how they're going to keep cars close and everything, you would have thought it was an okay race, and you know above average race probably for lots of things. Um, that being said, I think you can't do that because the, the prism of the 2019 rules was so overwhelming, so dominant, such theme that you have to view what happened on the track on, on Sunday within that. And I think that, you know, quite frankly, it was it was a letdown of sorts. And I'm not, you know, we spent, there was so much time spent talking about it, how these guys were really close. You look at that mm-hmm. test um, in January at Vegas where the cars were much closer than they were now. But obviously, you know, you had guys had a team had a month to work on their cars and things like that. So, you know, right now I... Atlanta didn't look much different. I wrote that too. Didn't look much different. I didn't think they didn't have the air deck there in Atlanta. So I'm interested to see what happens in California, and you go from there. But you know, right right now, I think work in progress is is a bit of a cop out in saying that. But at the same time, that's kind of where where NASCAR is at this point. I mean, that's every week, right? I mean, they're always changing stuff. They're always trying to manipulate the system to make it enticing for the fans. So I guess. And, that's, and that, that, that can be a little bit of a, like, and, you know, going back to what I said earlier, that can be a little bit of a, a detriment when you, talk, when you talk about the search for good racing and, and you're always talking about changing changing the rules, is you kind of get into this, this vortex and this cycle of, of always changing things and only constantly being changed. And, and you know, it, it also comes to on the heels of that fall Vegas race was phenomenal. It was a fantastic race, one of the best races of the season, especially for an immediate track. Uh, so you know, it's it's a matter of 
the cars had more horsepower than they did in the All Star race last year. That was a that was a factor. And, and I think you know, if you want to dissect this even further, obviously it's pretty clear Dirty Air is a bigger factor in 2019 than it was in 2018. I think a lot of us can see that coming, given there were the larger spoilers on the cars. And, and, and two, you know, the, the increased downforce. I think another big selling point of this of the new rules was the fact that these cars were going to get closer together, it would be closer together, they were going to have some contact, they have some crashes. Well, these cars have a ton, so much downforce on them now, and the speed's even lowered, that I, I think, you know, these guys are good. You know, NASCAR talks all the time about how the drivers are, are the best drivers in the world. And I think, you know, we can pick that statement apart all day, given that Formula One exists. Uh, but, you know, it, it's there's something ironic, I guess, uh, about a series that, you know, says that has the best drivers in the world making the cars easier to drive at least by themselves. They may be harder to drive around in traffic now or at least about the same in terms of a different a different way to drive them. But I think every driver would tell you that at intermediate tracks, the cars are easier to drive by themselves. And there is a little bit of an irony there. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's going to show any different product at ISM Phoenix this weekend or – you know, I think lap times will potentially be faster because you're, you're looking at corner speeds now are going to be up with 200 pounds more downforce, or not 200 pounds, but the higher spoiler and the bigger spoiler, 200 extra horsepower. Back to 750 horsepower this week. Um, so this is the first, um, this is the fourth new rules in four weeks because we're back to the same horsepower that it was last year with the added downforce. So. Phoenix is going to be an interesting test because I think we're going to see lap times at short tracks like Phoenix increase. And, you know, I'm really intrigued. I think Bristol and Dover are going to be two of the most drastic changes that you're going to see in terms of short track and smaller track racing here because those are such high-speed ovals as is. And now that these cars are going to have much more downforce and potentially higher corner speeds, I think the way guys drive at Bristol is going to be different and Dover for that matter. I don't think they're going to be flat out by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do, I am fascinated for Bristol here in April and just to see how much break guys are having to use compared to last year. Hmm. And honestly, I hadn't even thought about Bristol in this package, to be yeah. honest with you. So that's very good insight. Yeah. I, it, it could be, you know, it could be, it's going to be fascinating. So Phoenix, I mean, Phoenix turns one and two will be much quicker, I think. Three and four, who knows? But I think three and four, I would guys may be really dive bomb in that corner just for, because of how much more downforce is on those cars this weekend. Yeah. So do you think? We're I think that three and four. I, I got that wrong. Three and four is the two that would be drive bombing. One and two. Is, anyway, because what I was thinking about Phoenix in the old. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I had, changing. I had right. to reprogram my brain and, and realize we're back to new configuration. I think everybody's gonna be messing that up this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I, now, the question is, is there going to be a caution this weekend that's not, you know, stage ending? That's a – I'm going to bet yes, because there is a tendency for people to get flat tires and hit the wall at Phoenix. I will bet yes, but I'm not going to be totally surprised if there are no wrecks again uh, this week. Okay, so let me ask you this question. NASCAR's been – accused and before of like you know throwing banana peels on the track to get a caution all the bitching complaining on twitter about no wrecks etc do you think nascar might be forced to do one of those uh those debris cautions etc 
I don't necessarily think so because I think the stage cautions have solved that. We've seen that research. I mean, people have compiled these statistics, and it still holds true this day to where NASCAR is less lenient when it comes to debris cautions now ever since the advent of stage racing where and i think drivers have appreciated that to a certain extent now obviously you're still going to have people who say hey this should have been a debris caution why was this a debris caution and why wasn't this a debris caution but that being said i i do think that there is if you're asking drivers you want to go back to where it was in 2014 and 2015 where there would be a debris caution where everybody's kind of a little bit incredulous or take the stage racing system that started in, that we have now, I think you're going to see that way majority take the stage racing system because you know when those cautions are going to happen. You know, I think nine times out of ten, you want to eliminate the randomness from the equation. That's what these stage racing cautions have done. And, you know, debris cautions have decreased significantly since the advent of stage racing, and it's absolutely, in my opinion, no coincidence whatsoever. Okay. That's fair. Uh, I have a, another quick question for you real quick. I'm sorry about stage racing. So you covered NASCAR pre-stage racing, now during stage racing. Lugs and I, we went to Daytona last July, and we talked to a lot of fans walking around, and a lot of them were saying that they're not really big fans anymore. The stage racing ruined it for them. Like any, From your perspective, you know, you know, communicating with fans and the media and everything, what, what's your take on the stage racing? Um, when the it was first pitched back in the off season between 2016 and 2017, I was very skeptical. I was still skeptical after it was announced. I was like, "This is going to be interesting. I'm not sure how this is going to go." I absolutely have have no problems with it whatsoever, partially because of of the debris caution thing. And you know, I I don't mind the battle within within the race. I I understand. I understand that people think the system is contrived. I understand exactly why people can believe that the points are now hard to follow because of stage racing. I get that. But I also think, too, part of that does get pinned on NASCAR a little bit because when you had the point system change, was that was 2011 Tony Stewart's first, that his third title, I believe that was the first year of the new improved simplified point system where it was one point for one possession. And then, you know, NASCAR's big thing was was they, you know, it was simple, it was easy to follow, you know, no more points for leaving laps. Laps, you know, it was simply you get bonus points, you win the race, you get one point for position on the way down. Made perfect sense. And then you went from a system like that where it was very, very simplistic to a system right now that is very complex. I mean, even I have to sit there and, and look at the points report after a race and go, okay, that's right, because he finished, I mean, that guy finished fifth in the first stage, ninth in the second stage, and then therefore you have to add those add those stage points to his total. Yeah, right. So, you know, I, I, do under, I do understand that from the fans' perspective of not liking stage racing because, of, and still not liking it, from such a drastic point shift, that being said, I enjoy it. I have no problem with it, and, and to me, it hasn't it hasn't impacted NASCAR nearly as much as I thought it would have. Yeah, I, I think honestly, the point format, the points format itself, was a bigger hindrance than the stage racing, uh, because fans liked 
to be able to understand, you know, the impact of everything. And now they're like, so, okay, how many points did he get again? You know, who, who, what do they have to do? I think the confusion leads to people saying, I don't like this damn stage racing. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because you have a system. And I, I think, in a fairness point, I understand, you know, that a guy who finishes 30th because of a blown engine in stage three, but he ran top 10 in the first two stages, would get more points at the end of the race because he was good. I, I get that. But at the same time, you know, I, I also understand why it's hard for fans to grasp that because NASCAR has never been a how do you perform in the middle of the race series. It's always been a, hey, you finished here, so that's where your points are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, anyway, I guess what I was getting to, I think absolutely NASCAR got it right with stage racing. Um, it's just the fans, I think, are the confusion has just led to the whole, you know, them. Because we, we, Lugs and I talked to so many people, and probably 90% of them just absolutely hammered on NASCAR and the stage racing. Yet they were attending, you know, the Coke mm-hmm. Zero Sugar 400 down at Daytona. Uh, but I mean, it's just, I mean, hypocritical in a way, but still, I, I guess the purest in, in our hearts still support understand it and get it but nascar has to do something they have to evolve this is an ever-evolving millennial market they have to do changes now like nick was talking about earlier you're talking about this you know the constant state of change being the constant now is that good Ah, probably not Yeah, that's the that's the million dollar question, and I think also too for for a long, long time now, you, know, you just kind of get used to the fact that that change is is the one constant. And, and you know, would it be would it be great for for NASCAR to to stand pat? In, I guess in some aspects, yes, but at the same time, they're always having to evolve because teams are always evolving and searching for speed. And I mean, and I think the the perfect the perfect example is is with the air ducts and, and the rules changes for for twenty nineteen. They're here to stay. I, I mean I don't think you know, you can't with all the engine work engine work these teams have done, you can't simply say, Hey, we're going by seven hundred and fifty horsepower. Not gonna happen. But you know, you have to look at it in, in the perspective of well, stay really doesn't mean that long in NASCAR because the new car is coming in twenty twenty one. Engines will be tailor built for that. There's not going to be the tapered space. When they figure out what horsepower they want to use, teams will start building the engine to that horsepower limit, not using the tapered spacer to funnel the horse funnel funnel down the horsepower like it is now. The cars are going to be completely different, just like we saw with COT and this latest edition of the car. They each race differently than their previous iterations, so you know. There's more change coming, and it's coming in less than Absolutely. Yeah. What was your take, Nick, on uh, the qualifying? You know, that was that was quite a change there. I, I don't know what you guys thought of it, but I, I'm totally fine with going back to single-car qualifying at any tracks. Just doing it like they do in the truck series and the Xfinity series without without going too crazy about it. I, I, I don't understand why... It's not okay for the truck series and the Xfinity series to draft at intermediate tracks and qualifying, but it's cool for the Cup series to do it. Because as soon as when NASCAR banned group qualifying or drafting at Daytona and Talladega, but you still see it in um, at intermediate tracks, especially in the truck series like Vegas, uh, where, where guys are going out in groups, NASCAR saying, all right, one lap, 
see that and again the purist in me agrees that hey you know what what's wrong with one car at a time but i i was telling lugs this before he came on uh you know if, if i was a fan standing or sitting in the stands watching qualifying I, I feel like i at least got my money's worth out of it unlike single car qualifying from from just sitting for an entertainment factor sitting in the stands yeah no i think that's fair but at the same time you know there's more people watching at home, but mm-hmm. and also too, I think you have to. It, it's a conversation that can be applied to many things, but you know, does qualifying have to be a show? And I'm not necessarily sure it does, especially in the age of an NASCAR where you know, 36 cars are showing up this weekend at Phoenix, and that's yeah. only the second time um, since the charter system started that only charter cars are going to qualify for a race. And so no one's at home. There's, there's really no drama. You know, it, it, it's simply, it, you almost have to look at it, at least for me, in the perspective of, you know, is all this effort worth setting the field uh, when no one is going home? If, you know, if there are four or five cars getting bumped, I can see it from the drama, the drama perspective, but, but qualifying is pretty much a formality. Yeah, I, I, I you, you are 100% correct, especially for this weekend. Yeah, whenever I seen your, I seen your report on Twitter about that, I was almost like I was punched in the gut. I'm like, man, we're we're trying to build this thing to something greater, and then we're having weeks that we can't even feel the full field. It's yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah, that, you know, the lack of a full field is the, that's the new reality now. And I think that's just you know, you look at the cost, you look at the sponsorship model. You know, there's a lot of things to consider, and also the piece of the pie the nature of the teams are getting. But yeah, you know, you've got 36 cars this weekend, and. 30, 30 maybe, because you've got two Rick Ware cars for Charter, you've got premium cars for Charter, you know, you, you've got the, the gap relative, obviously not going back 30, 40 years, um, the gap between first and 35th is, is much tinier, but in this modern era of NASCAR, last 10 years or so, I would wager um, that the gap from first to you know 32nd, 33rd has never been bigger. So, in my opinion, the race team alliance and this charter system has really screwed things up. I mean, give give us your take on that. Uh, I don't know if I would go um, that stretch, but I, what I would say is that um, I think the charter system was a very good, I think, idea in theory that implementation came at a time when teams were struggling financially and I understand why they wanted to give them some value. All the teams were shutting down. That being said, it has been impacted significantly by the law of supply and demand. And so, you know, you look at, you simply look at right now, I mean, there's, the reason Rick Blair has two charters is because there weren't competitive teams willing to start, you know, a third or a fourth car 
that had paid more than you know he could or Jay Robinson could to acquire an extra charter. There, there's a reason. There's a reason Spire is running the 77 cars for a little charter because they could get on the cheap and realize they could they could make the system work. And you know, I understand. I understand why they're doing it, and props to them for finding something that they can, you know, finding their niche within the system. Um, you know, but that being said, I think it's the charter system. I don't necessarily think you can look at it by itself. I think it has to be looked at within a lot of factors that necessarily may not be in the charter system's control. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nick, going back to. Um... A tweet that I saw I don't know if it was today or yesterday but uh, it was an, a tweet from a statistical tweet I don't remember who tweeted it I know you had some uh, some you know verbiage on it but basically it was NASCAR's tweet about the number of lead changes at Vegas oh yeah I've never seen that. green flag yeah. lead changes and they were saying that it was had increased this year well it was because of all of the green flag pit stops and all of the pit cycles right what do you think the they're trying to gain by you know, inflating that number. I mean, it's misleading, right? So what do you think they're the end game or purpose is behind that? Well, obviously, you know, NASCAR wants to, wants to understandably show that the changes that it, that it made to the race, to the cars, made, made for a better race. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not just as you have to look at every press release and every, every type of statistic and figure provided um, in a format like that by by the person benefiting from it. Uh, you know, NASCAR's loop data, as I understand it, I have not been corrected on that, um, it, is, it tracks passes during, with the passing statistics, track passes during green flag pit stop cycles. And I, I remember this stat from back when it was like the 2012 Texas race, it was a Texas race that, that had the 234 lap a green flag finish. I remember the, the passing stats were just insane for the race that I had just witnessed in my own eyes. I was at Texas, and, and I went, "Wow, that race was was pretty was a snoozer." Mm-hmm. And um, Greg Biffle won. And so anyway, I, and so that's always stuck with me. And you go back and look, and and it does. You know, races that don't have caution flag, have green stop pit stop cycles, you'll you'll tend to see more passes because cars are making more passes on the track. And then also too, of the lead change stat. There were 19 official lead changes on on Sunday, and NASCAR tallied 47 green flag passes for lead. That would be the loop data again, um, which so necessarily if they, you know, perfect example is that Joe Logano and Brad Kozowski pass each other three times on a lap. Well, it's only reflected once, but finish line for the official purposes. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I believe nine or ten, I can't remember my head, nine or ten of those. 19 efficiency changes only happen on the track. The rest happen, you know, via pit stops or, or pit stop cycles. So, long story short, you know, races with with multiple sets of green flag pit stops will inflate, to my understanding, will inflate those passing statistics. And so, it is almost it's almost a little extent of you know, passing stats are a tool. They are not necessarily the guide. They are a tool to get you there, but you also do have to trust your eyes to a certain extent and, and, and go, okay, you know, is, does that match up with what I just watched? Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. And, folks, this is why I really like to follow Nick on Twitter because he's not scared to call 
put it against the smell test. Yeah, never needs to be is, done. Yeah. So uh, I think it was uh, was it Jim Utter that wrote that. Uh, I don't know if that was what came from. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, okay. I don't know exactly where that came from. I just remember. I only remember you know the fact that you know Kevin Harvick would have been leading by eight seconds in last year's rules in the first stage of the race, which was an absolutely um, preposterous um, claim to make, given that Harvick had a three-second lead, 35 laps in the race last year, with a car that led 214 degrees in 237 laps and was deemed illegal after the race. So, you know, to, to, to say that, the you know, Kevin Harvick would have bolted out to a much larger lead than he did this year in the first stage of the race is it's a claim that fell flat after about five minutes of YouTube viewing. Yeah, I got you. So, uh, you know, racers on the track, they have nemesis. You know, there's always the Earnhardt Gordon, you know, Earnhardt, you know, DW, blah, blah, blah. So in the rider's world at the track, is there, like, a, another rider that you kind of, like, I don't want to say disrespect, have no respect for? I don't want to use that term. Uh, maybe uh, butt heads with? No, not necessarily. Um, you know what? There's people I clearly have differing opinions than me, and that's, and that's totally fine because I obviously have, have different appearance opinions for a lot of people. But, you know, I just. I think what happens on social media is is, a, is not representative sometimes of what actually happens in real life. Stunning, I know, but right. it's not real life. Uh, but you know, the easiest I think the easiest example for you know the general rule of thumb I think everybody should and needs to follow you is that you know if you're not going to say it to somebody's face, don't say it on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else. Gotcha. Yeah. It. <laughs> I just this just some I just talked about DW something came to mind. Uh, so you say you go to about eight races a year. Uh, so the rest of the races you watch on TV, like the rest of us uh, common folk, uh, who do you find the most annoying person to listen to on the TV? Um, I think the, I'll say this. I think the grid walk should be placed into perpetuity or to some place that it's gone in perpetuity. Um, I I don't. Even, I ignore it. I mean, I, it's the point where ignorance is bliss at that point. And I, I just, there, there's becoming times where, you know, I, I wish Daryl Waltrip was a, was a fantastic, I, I put this on, on Twitter, and I wrote this myself after Atlanta. You know, Daryl Waltrip was lauded as being a fantastic analyst when uh, Fox's coverage began in 2001. He deserved the plaudits because he brought a, a fresh and great perspective to the booth, and there are just times and things that get said now at various points during races where you just kind of have to, you know, crinkle my eye, my, my nose and, and raise my eyebrows mm-hmm. and go, that doesn't really, you know, make sense. And, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate. It just, I don't know, feels like a little bit like a caricature in some respects yes. sometimes, and I understand that. You know, 20 years of TV, I get that. Um, I get that. But, yeah, there's, you know, the perfect example was the spoiler comment about Atlanta, you know, how drivers wanted the cars. They said they were too hard to drive, and they wanted it to be easier to drive. I had never heard that before. <laughs> hey, I like pickles. <laughs> that that comment. Hey, more power to you. Yeah, that last that last race, Lugs gave me a weird look. That last race, DW just randomly said, "I like pickles." <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that. I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Nick, couple more questions here, at least for me, and and uh, we'll let you go. But uh, so. To go back to IndyCar, I follow Open Wheel a little bit, obviously more than Gas Man here. But uh, so 
I heard this year for IndyCar, NBC Sports is going to have a subscription-based service, um, so you can watch their qualifying and stuff for IndyCar. You ever do you see something like that maybe happening within the NASCAR world? And if so, do you think it would take off? Um, I absolutely see it happening in the next couple of years in NASCAR. NASCAR, I think, is becoming much more aggressive. You can see on the YouTube channel right now, they're uploading a bunch of content to YouTube on it, which is it's just fantastic. They, they deserve all the credit in the world for, for putting everything, basically, that's being broadcast and, and available. I, I think that's the way to go, especially as, you know, as, as Fox and NBC look to um, continue to monetize and break even on, on the record-setting TV deal that they signed a few years ago as TV ratings for NASCAR. Maybe they've hit the floor. Um, hopefully, for everybody's sake, they have. And um, But, you know, I, when they signed this, the ratings projections were not what they are right now, not what mm-hmm. the reality is right now. And so, you know, NBC Sports Gold, I think it's they do it for the PGA Tour. NASCAR, you know, IndyCar is now the only sport. They have it for Supercross, I believe, as well. Um, I, I can see NASCAR branching off into that at some point in the future. I mean, it, it's already happening in a limited basis with with, with practice before uh, 3 o'clock Eastern being only available on, on NASCAR.com. It's really not a big deal on the, on the West Coast, obviously, because things are starting later um, on, the, on Fridays than they normally would. But I think when people notice that, you know, say, when I get back to Martinsville, Texas, Bristol, where Fox is picking up coverage until 3 p.m. Eastern on Fridays now. And so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the way things are going. You know, MLB TV was, was ahead of its time 20, 15, 20 years ago, it seems like now, with um, providing Internet access to baseball games. And now, you know, other, other leagues and sanctioning bodies are, are moving in that direction. Gotcha. I, I think it makes I would sense. Agree too. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. it makes sense for them to do that. Uh, when, when are you going to bring back the negative stat of the day? Because I don't think you've done that for a while. I have not. It'll be back in the off season. Got to, got to, got to somehow pass the time. In the, the long, which feels like it's not very long at all. Off season NASCAR. So look, look for it starting November nineteenth or eighteenth, whatever that first day. That first day of the NASCAR off season is. Okay, I love it. I love it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Nick, so I'm. Uh, a huge silly season fan, fan of speculation, conspiracy theories. Where, where's Chris Bell going to end Ooh. up next year? Because they're already talking about it pre-race uh, for Vegas. Basically, already talking about oh, yeah, who they, he was yeah, going to replace. Yeah, they brought up about maybe taking Hamlin's spot or, or something. Jones. Yeah. So yeah. where do you where do you see him going? I don't think Danny uh, Hamlin's going anywhere. I would be very surprised if. Eric Jones is going anywhere. Also, that I believe fully that Christopher Bell will be on a Toyota team in 2020. I have no idea the car number on that. I'll say that. I think I think Toyota will do everything they can to keep Christopher Bell in the Toyota camp. He right. He does, he will show by the end of the season that he deserves a Cup Series ride. And I think they'll do everything they can to find one for him. But but no no vacancy you know, at Gibbs. Even yeah. if you told me. You know, he told me I had, I would lose no money if I got it wrong and bet a thousand dollars if I got it right. I still don't think I'd come up with a prediction. Hmm. A second LFR car, could be. Huh. I, I, that seems like it's something that could work, or another Toyota Alliance team. I mean, there, there, there's options out there because you know it was. I'll say this: it, it was very obvious from the beginning of Daytona when you read into the transcripts and listen to Toyota guys talk 
when um, the talk before the 500 was about Ford's numbers advantage and how well the Ford's worked together with Super Play tracks. And, and, you know, Toyota guys were outspoken that, you know, we're, we're outmanned here. And, and they are. I mean, they, Joker's racing in the fifth LFR car pretty much. So, you know, I think that you, you can look at that. I think it's fair to look at that as the seed planting as to, hey, you know, we really need to get cars six and seven here. You know, if we can do that in 2020, great. If not, hopefully 2021. But I do think if Toyota had its brothers, it would have another one or two cars out on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. And, and on that note, uh, my last question for you is, in the next couple of years, there's a rumor of lots of changes with tracks and shortening and, yeah, new manufacturers coming, all this stuff. Do you, as a longtime fan, fellow fan, do you think that the schedule should be shortened up? Uh, I don't think they're going to shorten the schedule in terms of number of races. If they do, it won't be significant. I would be stunned simply because that would affect the TV rights deals and things like that because NBC and Fox for the the – 36 points races and, and two non-points races. So I think that would be a logistical mountain to climb. Nothing can't be done, but it seems like it would be a, a big a big thing to do. Um, easier thing, in my opinion, would be to condense the schedule and by offering midweek races during the summertime. I really that drum beaten like crazy recently, but that would make a lot of sense, especially if you want to get NASCAR away from the NFL as much as possible and and end the season, you know, say in October or something like that. So I, I think, you know, it seems like there's a lot of options I, I, on the table right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I apply NASCAR for looking at them, but I think, you know, in terms of condensing the schedule, the more likely way of condensing seems like, um, seems like in terms of calendar days, not necessarily in terms of race. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a, I think it's a great idea doing like a Sunday, Wednesday schedule or something and, you know, doing more than one per week technically. I, I like that idea. It, it, it works, you know, it works It works out if you want to think about it just simply because if you look at those race days in, and it's also too, if they're talking about shuffling the schedules and those race days can be very flexible, but you look at, let's just, when your guys are back in the woods, you look at it and you say, you know, you've got Kentucky, you used to have, Indianapolis, Michigan, you had three races, four races that you wanted to count both Michigan races, um, not too far from each other in a very short period of time over the summertime. That's that's the perfect way you could you could do a Saturday, Wednesday, or, you know, a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, with two tracks that are with an easy day's drive for two. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think it's a great idea. You know what, Nick? Uh, you, know, you should be CEO for a day and make some changes. I don't know, but I don't think I'll just say this right now. I don't think they would they would approve of that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So the last thing before I let you go, uh, and I I want to say right now, you've been fantastic, and thank you for joining us. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. What's what is your so each week we do a fan we have like our own little fantasy league with our fans that we have and we ask for two picks every week that we keep track of this week give us your two picks. Ooh, I think no rules or not no rules you absolutely have to go with Kevin Harvick. Yes, at Phoenix. Um, I can't get off that train, and you know what? 
I realize he won this last week, but I'm going to take Joey Logano because, after all, he, um, I believe he, he crashed down his last two Phoenix, but he's won well in the past. You know what? I'll take two forward. Give, give me Harvick and Logano. Right. Logano. That's awesome. So, yeah, I, I had Logano last week for my pick, and I had Kozlowski the week before that. So I'm like on a hell of a trend right now. I got Harvick for this week as one of my picks. So. I, thought, I, I thought about Kyle Busch because he won the race in the fall, but I'm going to go with the hot hand. I understand. Completely got you there. Uh, Lugs, Emore, you want to throw his way? No, I just say thanks and – it was a pleasure having you on, Nick. Yeah, hopefully uh, maybe we can have you on again in the future. It's been really insightful and very entertaining. I really appreciate it. Sounds good. We get a you know, couple more months down the road here. We can, when we have some really some things to talk about in terms of how this, how this, these rules have, have changed in the race, and we can do it again sometime soon. Perfect. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Hey, you too. Thank you. Hey, Lugs, man, that was a great interview. Thanks again to Nick for calling in. And fans, if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, do not follow his articles, please do. He's on Twitter, Nick Bromberg, uh, his Yahoo articles. Definitely follow him. Very insightful, knowledgeable. And, again, I really enjoy him because he doesn't give you the corporate BS talk on his – PC version. Yeah, he just says – he calls – bullshit when there's bullshit i really i really like that i really enjoy that so uh thanks again nick it was an extreme pleasure having you on uh so getting back to what we're talking about in regards to let me get this right vegas and not california <laughs> i don't know why i kept saying california because i'm an idiot that's why gas <laughs> man you're a dumbass so no argument there yeah i know i noticed so anyway uh you know my picks last week going into this was race winner Joey Logano. But my second pick was Kyle Larson. You need to give up on him, man. I I need to give up on all my second picks. Because the week before, (laughs) I had Chase Elliott, who screwed me over. And then this week, I had Kyle Larson. And it wasn't even his doing. It was his damn team. Someone on his team stuck their hand, leaning over the wall, stuck their hand on the ground. Boom. Penalized. Hey, we'll say that your points each week have increased, so <laughs> well, you, have, you at least have that going. I've for had yourself. great picks every week, and someone just fails me, absolutely <laughs> fails me. Uh, so anyway, enough, enough said. Larson, pit road issue again, even if it was his fault or not. It's been a, a continuing trend. I am done with Kyle Larson. I'm not <laughs> picking him again. Bad juju? Until he can w- prove prove he can win a race. Don't hold your breath. Yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, so I'm not picking him probably for the rest of the season. Right, but that's fair. That's fair. All right. So anything else coming from Cal- Vegas that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. Last thing, because uh, I, I bring this up every week, was uh, the poll. Was it a good race? Fifty-six percent said yes, and that's up last year uh, from thirty-five percent. So I don't remember specifically other than Harvard getting penalized at the end uh, after winning you know, you know why we don't remember it because it, it sucks yeah, yeah. Uh, so last <laughs> year's 35 percent 56 this year so you know yeah over half yeah uh so i am going to go ahead and give it a thumbs up i said i'm a little on the edge yeah no yeah no i'm gonna give it a thumbs up and the reason why the deciding factor for me was the end of the race yeah kazlowski made that run made it somewhat entertaining there at the very end so that's got my thumbs up right there. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter what happened through the race. It matters what happens at the end of the race, yeah, technically, exactly, right? Exactly, true. So, uh, yeah. so, yeah, we'll go with that. 
so you know, let's let's start talking about our next race. That's not California. It's it's ISM. It's Phoenix. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So uh, I think last week you picked first, maybe. So I'll pick first this week. Because you know who I'm picking. Well, yeah, Just because you decided to pick the same damn people I picked. No, I had mine picked before you did. No, 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 no. Mine was picked like a week ago in my head. Oh, it sure, <laughs> sure it was. So this week I am going straight for points because I am so far lagging behind. Just go ahead and although say it. We, not, we have the same picks. Although I'm not going to make it up because you decided to pick the same damn people as me, you nope. freaking copycat. Nope. Uh, so this week I got Harvick and Bush. That simple. I want points. <laughs> I want points. I want – okay, so I don't know what the points are. Other well, let me to- tell you why I picked them, why I picked them first. You did not pick them first. You don't know you that. You had no argument you that didn't, you did. You, did, you told you me when you, you did. You told me your picks when you stepped in the door. I had mine laid out well, you bef- didn't tell way me before. The, I told you before you told me. Oh, so, so it's a race to tell each other <laughs> yeah. who they are. Okay, that makes sense. Whatever. Uh, I'm picking Harvick and Bush because they're the past winners of last year of these of Phoenix ISM, uh, but also because. They haven't won yet, and I'm kind of surprised. I, I, not so much about Bush. I picked Harvick because he is great at Phoenix. So great. I had, I, I had Harvick uh, last week. I'm sorry, I had Kyle Bush last week at. Uh, no, that's right. I did have Harvick last week for Vegas, and I had Kyle Bush for Atlanta because I really thought that they would have won by this right. point. So that's why I'm going with both of them because. Um, I don't yeah. know. They just haven't won, and I thought they would have. Yeah. So I. I, I went with Harvick because I know he's strong at Phoenix. And we never made a rule that we so. couldn't have the same. No, no, yeah, we can't so. absolutely. Yeah, we absolutely can have the same. It's just I'm just giving you shit. That's all. So fans, send us your picks. Yes. Uh, we've got some uh, consistent people that are sending us their picks each Jessica, week. Jessica so Mueller, we... if you're listening, you suck. <laughs> so thank you for sending your picks. <laughs> yeah, no, to do we do so. appreciate it. Uh, I'm gonna do a rundown here in just a second, but uh, any new listeners. Get in on this because, yeah. um, you know, obviously you're going to be a little bit in the hole starting out. Yeah, but, but we have people who are inconsistent. People, so, yeah. People have missed some weeks. Uh, I mean, all it takes is one or two bad weeks, and you could easily catch and, up And the bottom us. line is is that if you finish first in the league, I finish second in the league, we don't get anything. This is our yeah. league, right? Yeah, exactly. So then we'll get a trophy to the third place. We're going to give a trophy, some kind of reward, to the highest placing fan. Exactly. So let's clarify that, okay? Because I ain't going to give you anything but black eye lugs. Do it. Okay. <laughs> How uh, dare you? So I seen a video today. Hold on one second. I seen a video today of this girl in Chicago walking around Facebook Live. And she comes up to his car with these other chicks in there. And she's like, oh, you got a gun? You think you're tough? What you going to do with it? What you going to do with it? Then she gets shot. And she's on Facebook Live the whole time. So with me threatening to punch you in the face, black in your eye, you said do it. Made me think of that. Anyway, yeah. You threatened it, it and it happened. Real? So. Yeah, I mean, was, well, I don't know. I seemed to realize. She's like, huh, this bitch just shot me. <laughs> so I don't know if it was or not. It was still entertaining. All right, so <laughs> we'll run through. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that yeah, random no, no side problem. story there. Uh, we'll run through our uh, standings here in, in the season. So uh, last week, I'm just going to go through no particular order here. So Gasman, again, picked the winner. He picked Logano winning. His runner-up or other pick was Larson, so it didn't fare too hot there. Uh, I had Harvick and Truex. Uh, Jeff Stainhook, I pronounced his name right this week, I believe. <laughs> yes, yeah, Jeff uh, had Kurt and Kyle, so he scored 75 points. Let me back up. I'll tell you what we scored points-wise. Uh, 
Harvick and Truex, my picks, I scored 93 points. And Gasman, you scored 83 with Logano and Larson. Joseph Adams at Chase and Harvick's coming in with 88 points. Dang. Uh, John Elliott, Almarola, and Larson, 59 points. And Daniel Cameron, Hamlin, and Kyle Busch, 83 points. And outscoring everybody, Jessica Mueller. She had Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch with 95 points. Wow. See, so Jessica, I think you said earlier, like one point. We'll go through a standing. I think she's like one point behind me. Yes. And I've got a whole race over. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Wh- what I'm getting to is if you're not, if you have not played yet, please join us. Play. It's just all you for fun. You got runs. nothing to lose. Yeah, absolutely nothing to lose. And really, as you can see, you can literally have one bad week and really like make a huge change. Uh, I mean, I think John Dean Elliott scored like fifty something points. And last week, I think I scored fifty something. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely you can have that one bad week that really screws you. So uh, other people can have that bad week. So take advantage of it. Yeah, and all it takes is your one pick to get a good amount of stage points and a yeah. good finish, and yeah. you're going to be scoring a lot of points. So. Uh, so I am still the top of the throne, which really means nothing other than I get the gloat over Gasman if I beat him. 262 uh, two, points. Two wins. Two wins. I just want to put that out. Two two, it doesn't matter. It's all about <laughs> points, baby. Consistency wins. 262 points. Uh, second place, Joseph Adams, 206 points. Daniel Cameron, third place, 203 points. Wow. Gasman, fourth place, 188 points. Jessica Mueller, Fifth place, 187 points. So we've literally got 20 points spread from fifth to second. So that oh, could change yeah. So, yeah, easily. Nice. Yeah. Uh, John Elliott's 176, and Jeff Stainhook, 160. So really, between two and seven, how many points difference is there? 40? About 46 points. Yeah, so, I mean, that's really obtainable. I'm going to beat that's, you all. That's easily one race. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I'm going to beat you all. Just, just – Take notes now. <laughs> well, you're gonna get you gotta come from fourth man. place there, gas man. So keep your foot on the gas. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So uh, anything else cup related we want to talk about before we move on? No, sir. Okay. Uh, so Xfinity, a little bit of news there, mm-hmm. and then of course recap uh, Vegas there. So I don't know. Did you catch the Xfinity race? Did you watch it all? I, I did. So uh, it's a pretty exciting finish. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey. Yes. Kyle I Busch mean, earned that, I will say. Yeah, I mean, he had it to was work wreck, for it. wreck, wreck, whatever. At but. the end, yes. yes. So there was two green-white checkers. Um, so, uh, but, man, I'm really impressed by Tyler Reddick this year. Even though he moved to RCR and brand new, you know, car, yeah. presumably in a whole new team. And I, and I heard him complaining the other day, or I, someone was writing about him saying that he's not getting love from NASCAR. Like, they're not promoting him. They're not oh, really? pushing him. Interesting. A little upset by that, but uh, he was racing Kyle really hard, and some so one of the announcers made the uh, comment that uh, basically Reddick was schooled by Kevin, or I'm sorry, by um, Kyle because Kyle was keeping him pinched down. He was on the outside with Reddick to his inside, and uh, that's when Tyler went up the track. He lost the nose, and he went up the track and tagged Christopher Bell, and then everybody crashed. But uh, yeah. You know, aside from him crashing out of the race, uh, he's he really impressed me on that, that Saturday race. So, uh, overall, I thought that was a pretty fun race to watch. Through the middle of it was kind of me, but it's all right. Uh, I, it, it, you're right, though. The end was pretty entertaining. Also, Elliot Sadler 
announced he's coming back doing a couple races with Collard Racing in the Xfinity Series. So interesting there. Yeah, he made the announcement the same day that Jason Witten for the Cowboys made the announcement he's coming out of retirement. It's like retirement announcement days or anti-retirement announcement days. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Any other Xfinity? Nope. Shaking your head no. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to truck then. Also the Kyle Busch show. Uh, he won the truck series race at Las Vegas Friday night. Um, so inching closer to those 200, 200 wins, wins yeah. that Nick and uh, everyone, all of us we were talking about, about earlier. Right. So right. either way, I mean, I know it's apples to oranges comparison to a lot of different things, but it's still impressive. Yeah. So what the one, I, not so much trucks or Xfinity, but one takeaway from this weekend of racing, Haley Deegan. Yep, that's she true. She made one hell of a move and got a victory. Yeah. she's Both of her wins have come from <laughs> moving the, the car in front of her out of the way. Yeah, but she didn't really – she did nothing wrong. Absolutely she did nothing she wrong. She didn't do. give him – you know, didn't bump him to move yeah. him out of the lane. She just went inside of him. And, I mean, I don't know if they even touched, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, yeah, she moved him. I, if you look, if you look. She moved him. No, look she again. Moved him. Look again. You can see his quarter panel flex. Okay, she if you him. say so. But he definitely came back and tried to punt her. Oh, yeah, and she held on to yeah. it really well. So, yeah. I mean, she earned it. There's no doubt there. But Lugs, women can race, too. You don't have to try to justify her. Hey, you, don't, you don't have to convince me of that. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, shout out to Haley. Good job. Great. We almost had her on the show once, too. Now it's never going to happen. I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, famous people don't come on the show. Sorry, Nick. That's <laughs> not what I meant. And Landon Castle. And Tommy and yeah, <laughs> Joey Gaze. Just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. You're all famous. All famous people come on our show. They they beg to only come on our famous show. people. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect. So yes, Haley only. Yeah, if you we'll want to be famous, come Haley coming to our show. <laughs> Backpedal. <laughs> kind of sound like Kyle Larson there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Hendrix cheaters. Ah, they don't cheat. Yeah, his engine didn't blow up. So yeah, true, true. Not yet. <laughs> Anything else? No. So, fans, as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for sending us your picks. If you have not sent your picks, please do. Um, actually, if you have picked, if you've been in our league and you've picked a winner, email us your oh. address. Like I think it was John and Jessica. I think mm-hmm. both picked besides me. Obviously, picked winners, uh, the actual winners. So anyway, if you've picked a winner and we have you written down. Email us, wreckingyourracing at gmail.com, your address, and I'll send you, I don't know, a can koozie or something. Yeah, also, uh, one thing I was going to bring up, I had my notes and I forgot about it here. Oh, two things. Uh, did you see Thanks. Nashville? Nashville's the Oh, yeah, new that they're going to be location. the new rewards, yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. cool. It's right in our go. backyard. Yeah, it'd be cool for us to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, other thing was, tell us about this, uh, this loot you scored over the weekend. Oh, I was like, loot I scored? <laughs> I mean, it was I just... It was like Tell opening what, a time capsule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so my uh, mother-in-law is a hoarder. Uh, hopefully, hoarder. She yeah, hoarder. Hoarder. Make yes, sure I you said. Enunciate there. You know, hoarder. So, as we all know, my father-in-law passed recently uh, from pancreatic cancer. Uh, but anyway, so we went down to my mother-in-law's and tried to help clean out some like storage units she had and stuff to help reduce some of the financial burden that she has. And uh, one of the units. I mean, there's all this NASCAR stuff. Now, I brought back probably 15 diecast that I'm going to display, but there's still boxes and boxes of stuff. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're like, I mean, I, I even, I even brought back a Rusty Wallace once to display. 
Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's crazy. I always hated Rusty. Where are you gonna put it at? I don't know. Probably next to that Troy Aikman frame that I got from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's like ten feet wide. Oh my god, that's a whole nother story. Whole nother story. Happy like, anniversary! I got an empty picture frame. I like these jersey. side tangents we get on right at the very end <laughs> yeah. of the uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. So maybe we'll take some of that stuff, and it may be ancient, but we'll give some of it away. Yeah, I want to see what it is. Well, I'll try to bring some over for you. I might call dibs on it for you. Send it out to the fans. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We got to take care of our fans. So dude. who who else? So Rusty. Uh, I've got some uh, Davy Allison stuff, Alan Kowicki stuff. Really? Uh, maybe not a whole lot. The, uh, my father-in-law was a big Dale Senior fan, so most of still. You might stuff. Uh, check it against eBay. Make sure you don't have anything. Yeah, before before we give it away, I will make sure I check the at least somewhat value of it. If yeah. it's reasonably like you know twenty bucks or less, maybe thirty bucks, we'll send it out to people. But well, oh no, well, was it uh, like a mixture of like one sixty fourth, one twenty fourth, all one twenty fourth? Oh That's really? Oh, I take that back. There was a couple small like one sixty fourth uh, Davy Allison that came with like it's like a premium edition. It came with like a little like uh, hood placard or something. Okay, from and are they? Uh, like Winter Circle, Action. Revel, Action, Winter Circle, all the above. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So some of the you know Walmart stuff compared to some of the higher quality diecast stuff. To both. Yeah, gotcha. mixture stuff. So I can't guarantee that what I mean, there's like the semi trucks, you know, remember those? Mm, yeah, yeah. So there's some of those, et cetera. So yeah, we'll try to take care of some fans on that. Actually we're coming up to our one year anniversary pretty soon, so we'll probably do something pretty soon. I have a Dale Earnhardt Zippo lighter still in the case. It's never been opened. Fancy. Yeah. So maybe we'll give that out as a one-year anniversary gift to someone. Yeah. Is it like gold-plated or something? Uh, I envision it being gold-plated. No, I think it's just a zippo lighter. It seems like something that but I've seen before. It's like a collector's edition. Like it's literally still in a tin and everything. Hmm. I don't know. Is it light? Oh, oh I have a uh, Dale Earnhardt Oreo car. Uh, it comes in like a thing that's shaped like an Oreo cookie. Yeah. With a car inside of it. A little like 164th Oreo car. Yeah. It's a collector's edition, one of uh, like 33,333. That's a lot. <laughs> 33000 That's a lot, but it's not. I don't know. Anyway, we maybe will uh, do that as a giveaway as well. Uh, is the, does the lighter still work? Did you try it? I didn't try it. It's brand new. It's never been. It still has a seal on it. It's oh, not okay. filled or anything. Oh, okay. I mean, it's literally brand new. It's still in the package. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. He, he, uh, my father-in-law collected a lot of things. Coins, stamps, lighters. I, I don't know. They collected a lot of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff. So, yeah, definitely going to be uh, interesting. So, we'll try to throw some of that stuff your guys' way. We'll re-gift it uh, for the show and help you guys out for some cool little uh, novelty things. Cool. And don't forget to send me your uh, name and address, and I'll compare it to our list for winners of uh, the fantasy, and I'll try to get you something. Cup, koozie, maybe both. A hug. I'll send you a hug in the mail. Glitter bomb. I only done that one time. I would not do that to a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, as always, wreckingracing at gmail.com. Email us, reach out to us, Facebook, Twitter, say hi. Definitely follow Nick. Again, great interview. Thank you, Nick. Uh, yeah, if you're going to be at the Coke 600 in, in the May, let us know that too. We'll try and meet up, have a beer. Maybe we'll buy you one or you buy us one. <laughs> We're still deciding that. I think you should buy us one. Well, we'll see. Just email, <laughs> say hi. What's up? Hey, Gasman, you're awesome. That works too. Thanks, folks. Have a great day.
and the checkered flag waves on this episode. Tune in next week to keep updated on all things NASCAR. Please like us on iTunes and follow us on Podbean. We'd like to hear from you, so reach out to us too at wreckingandracing at gmail.com. Thanks again and see you soon.